Hey, thanks so much for joining me on Between the Two of Us, a mental health podcast. I'm your host, Jen Alley, a licensed professional counselor, wife, and mom. In this podcast, we will talk about modern day life as it relates to your mental health. Drawing on my professional experiences of being a therapist the last 14 years, my background in education, and my personal experiences, I want to help you feel less alone in your struggles while teaching you what I wish everyone knew about brain science and mental health. While this podcast isn't therapy, I will offer practical tools and strategies grounded in neuroscience to improve your relationships, life, and mental wellness. Thanks so much for listening. Grab your cup of coffee or your walking shoes and let's get started. Hello and welcome back to Between the Two of Us. This is your host, Jen Alley. And we are going to be talking today about symptoms or presenting issues, things that people come into therapy for if you think about some of the problematic behaviors in your own life and how somehow they make sense. And this is going to be related to coherence therapy. I'm going to teach you a little bit about that. But really my goal for you for this episode is is that you begin to understand that the ways that you behave, the ways that you act somehow makes sense within your system. And also that there is possibility for change, even if you feel like at this point, maybe you felt really stuck in certain behaviors that you don't like, for example, like overeating at night. Uh, Maybe you find yourself in the pantry eating many cookies, even though you know that that's not good for you and you want to stop. That might be an example. Another example might be that you are a people pleaser. I can definitely identify with that. And even though you know setting boundaries or saying no or setting up something for yourself would be helpful and beneficial, you default into people pleasing mode in many situations. There was an Instagram reel that I saw. His name, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to pronounce his last name, but he's a comedian and it's Zoltan Kazas. It's K-A-S-Z-A-S. I'll link the reel I'm talking about in the show notes, but he talks about how he always thought he was being really polite. And he gave the example of being on an airplane and they would be deboarding and he would look around and he'd be like counting the rows and figuring out how long until it's his turn. And he's looking for his bag and he's looking, okay, getting it all together. And his wife would be like, what is wrong with you? He'd be like, we have to be ready. So that kind of like hypervigilance. And he said, oh, my therapist, it helped me realize it's anxiety. It's not actually that I'm overly polite. So I don't know if you can relate to that. I definitely find myself being like overly conscientious of everything from maybe like taking up too much space or too much time or like being in someone's way. And many times, you know, that is a result of either one situation or multiple situations where we anticipated as maybe a child or in different situations that something bad or uncomfortable might happen. So likely, right, in his subcortical regions of his brain, he's predicting that he will get in trouble or in the in the video, he actually said get hit if he wasn't prepared, if he wasn't ready to go. So to get started, I think it's helpful for you to identify something in your own life that causes you some problems. It might be something that you would seek therapy for or that you certainly don't like that you do and yet you can't help but find yourself doing it again. Examples might be like having an oversized reaction 
when your kids misbehave. Um, I can certainly identify with that sometimes. Or anxiety, you know, in situations that logically you know you shouldn't be anxious, but like you're having it anyways. Or like we said earlier, times where you wind up eating the box of cookies when you went in for one cookie. Maybe you want to be close to someone, but every time you feel yourself getting close, you do something to kind of self-sabotage. You pull away or you deflect or something like that, even though you, you genuinely want to be close to the other person. So have some sort of like thing in mind. And I want you to notice what starts to happen once you bring that into your mind. Like, how do you feel toward yourself when you start to think of that symptom or that behavior? And I'll tell you that for many of us, we begin to judge ourselves. We begin to criticize ourselves. We begin to think, oh, I shouldn't feel that way. I shouldn't act that way. We start to be hard on ourselves. Like I'm a bad mom or I'm a bad friend or I'll never figure this out. What's wrong with me, right? So lots of judgment. And I hope that that's not your reaction. But I think for many people that begins to be the reaction. And so what I want to teach you is instead to start to say it makes sense. And I want you just to notice what happens. So for example, you might say, it makes sense that I overreact when my kids are misbehaving because, and I want you to watch what happens in your mind and in your body. And there might be nothing and that's fine. It might be that you have a big resistance to saying that because it feels like, well, it shouldn't make sense. It might be that you start to have memories or that you anticipate a consequence if you don't do the thing. It could be a lot of different things. You might have an image come to mind. Your body might tighten, right? So all of that is information. And let me explain to you a little bit of the science to teach you why I am telling you this. So the cause of the problem or symptom is often a non-conscious emotional knowing that is requiring this problem or symptom to persist. So in other words, in your logical brain, right, you know that like, this problem or symptom is senseless. It's irrational. It's causing me problems, right? It's maybe really undesirable. It could be causing problems with your relationships. And so many times it's like, I hate this thing and I really want it to go away. But the thing is, is that it's often involuntary, right? You feel powerless to make it stop or you feel like you're just victim to it. Again, it might be like flipping your lid at your partner or at your kids when something happens. And by flipping the lid, I just mean like, you know, really like unleashing harshness or frustration or anger, even though you know that's not what's helpful in that moment. And in the moment, it might feel like they deserve this. I have to do this thing. But then later when you're calm again, you're like, oh my gosh, like, that was such an overreaction. Like, why did I do that? Or in the moment you might be like, I have to have another cookie. Like I must, I must. Right. But then after you're like, Oh, like I just wanted one or two cookies. Like I didn't need the whole box of cookies. So 
the truth is, is that those emotional realities, that subconscious or unconscious knowing that is held in the subcortical and right hemisphere of our brains, it has a deep emotional sense and personal meaning. It is necessary for you to have, not logically, but the knowing knows that it is part of how I avoid even a worse suffering. So it must happen, right? So it's basically protecting me in some way or protecting this other person in some way. Again, it might not make logical sense to you. So when a client comes in, if a therapist is trained in coherence therapy, they are listening for things like, what does this symptom do for the client that is valued or needed? So perhaps the symptom provides safety. Perhaps the symptom provides comfort because there wasn't comfort when you were a kid. They also are listening for things like what bad consequence or bad thing will happen if that symptom would go away. Now, again, logically, we might be like, of course, I want to stop eating the whole box of cookies, right? Or of course, I want to stop yelling at my kids. But internally, there can be a knowing that if I don't prevent this from happening or if I don't do this, something terrible or bad will happen. And finally, how is the symptom necessary as a byproduct of something else? In other words, does this symptom solve another problem for the client or from an actual blow or loss that was suffered in the past? So as an example, if someone grew up in an environment that was volatile, that person is likely to have hypervigilance and will be scanning for danger and perhaps be like overly people pleasing or overly managing other people's emotions or overly managing situations to make sure everything and everyone is okay. Another example, as I mentioned before, is, is that someone who perhaps turns to the cookies or to overeating on a regular basis might not have had the comfort and compassion and kindness that they needed as a child and they learned to self-soothe by eating, by turning to sugary or salty foods. So coming back to your own behavior or symptom that you identified at the beginning of this episode, I'd like for you to notice that, like notice the thing. And then I want you to say, it makes sense that I do this thing because, or it makes sense that I feel this way because, and again, you're just going to track, what do you start to notice? We want to try to get curious when we are judgmental toward ourselves, or we experience judgment from another person, it sends excitatory neurochemicals. It makes us feel more activated So when we're feeling frustrated and angry with our kids and we're simultaneously beating ourselves up about it, it actually makes that feeling a lot of times worse or even more upsetting, like it continues the dysregulation. When we practice curiosity and we can even maybe add in some self-compassion, like it makes sense that I'm doing this because I am afraid that no one will love me. It makes sense that I'm doing this because this is how I feel comfort. And we can start to have a little bit of compassion toward ourselves. That sends calming neurochemicals, right? That's going to help us to regulate 
So let me give you a couple more examples. Perhaps there's a client who is struggling with friendships because vulnerability is hard for her. So she knows that vulnerability is hard for her, but she's mad at herself because she's like, every time I try to get close to someone, I end up sabotaging the relationship. But when we trace it back and we're able to be with like how it makes sense in her system, it makes sense because vulnerability and sharing and openness was seen as a sign of weakness in her family and even punished. So of course, there is a part of her that remembers that. So I want to tell you that our brains are predicting making machines. We are constantly predicting what will happen next and what we will do next. And in many ways, this is great, right? Because it helps us to keep from having to figure out, like, if you smile at me, I don't have to sit there and be like, oh, what am I supposed to do next? What's happening? It's like, I see the smile. I know that I am to smile back and maybe say hello. The tricky part is, is that because our brains are predicting making machines, we oftentimes will have a, you know, a response or a reaction that works much faster than our prefrontal cortex or the thinking part of our brain. So again, these knowings in our subcortical regions of our brain, they work really fast and it's like, this part is activated. I must do this next. It doesn't really matter that the context is slightly different. So it's not, the reaction usually isn't taking place in direct relationship to what is happening right now. It is taking place as a result of something that happened a long time ago. So an example also from my practice is a client who she had a friend kind of say something to her that felt hurtful. It was a close friend. And the story that my client made up is, is that their friendship is going to go away because they don't seem to have as much in common anymore. And she felt kind of openly criticized when we were able to trace this back. It came from feeling deeply abandoned as a child And so again, like it's almost impossible without some work around this to know what are those things that are driving my behavior. So I want to say that because it is possible that you will need some experiential therapy in order to uncover what is happening, in order to uncover like what is behind this symptom. But a really great first step is to be able to learn to identify what's happening in us and to be able to watch our own mind when we are having that symptom or behavior. So even the act of doing that of like, okay, I start to yell at my kids. I can be like, what am I noticing right now? What's happening inside of me? That sends electricity to my orbital medial prefrontal cortex, the watching part of my brain. When I do this, right, it's helping just by the act of asking that question, what am I noticing? Again, we want to avoid why questions that that feels more judgmental in our systems. We want to say like, what or how, how am I feeling? What am I noticing? When I do that, that it can be super helpful. And then I might say it makes sense. I'm having this oversized reaction and just start to notice what comes up. And as we are able to practice this, we can begin to change our awareness, our ability to regulate, and 
with practice and, you know, with changes in experiences, our brains change through experience. So for example, if I have a knowing that something bad will happen if I am vulnerable and that knowing is activated, meaning I can feel that anxiety in my body when I'm about to be vulnerable, but I do the vulnerable thing anyways, and then I get a mismatch. That's not what my brain was expecting. So maybe instead of feeling shut down or whatever the thing might be, instead it's met with compassion and kindness. My brain is going to register that as a mismatch. That does not what my brain was expecting. My brain was expecting one thing, it got something different. Well, the amazing thing about that is, is that sometimes in just one mismatch experience, brain change can begin to happen. And also sometimes it takes multiple experiences, right? To have these mismatches in order for our bodies and brains to really internalize this change that like, oh, maybe vulnerability is okay. Maybe it is safe. But the first step of this is really being able to notice like what is the behavior or symptom causing the problem? Second, in what way does it make sense? And how can I have some kindness and compassion? And then the third thing is either overtly in the process of therapy or on your own, or sometimes, you know, things just happen that that it causes a mismatch, that that is how our brains can change. And that's how our behaviors can change. So let's give you an example that's more concrete to highlight that. Many times people get super frazzled when they're running late and I used to be one of those people and I don't know exactly when or how it shifted, but it was like, I had this like realization, I think that either way I was going to be late, right? Like I'm going to be late and I'm going to arrive and be like, well, I don't want to be late. I feel bad that I'm late, but also like being so stressed and dysregulated and upset, right? is actually causing me to be late plus being a mess when I arrive, So that's like the logical part. I think probably emotionally, you know, I'm not sure exactly what the emotional knowing was, but maybe it's something like, you know, people will be mad at me or people will be upset with me or they will think I'm bad or some sort of internalized version of that. Right. Well, if this was an example that I was actively practicing, I would notice that I was late. I would notice the dysregulation and the stress happening in my body. I would say like, it makes sense. I'm having this because, you know, people are going to dislike me or be mad at me if I am running late. And then I would try to take in how are people responding in real time when I am late? So if the emotional fear or knowing is, is that people are going to dislike me, But in the moment, I'm actually experiencing compassion and kindness. That's a mismatch, right? And then that is a way that my brain can begin to internalize. Maybe it doesn't have to be so dangerous or unsafe for me to be late. And again, this might take many, many, many times and renditions. And it's also possible that if I'm really, really like 
you know, if there's something really high stakes that I'm late for, that that could get activated again, even if I've done a lot of work around it. So oftentimes these knowings are often tied to a particular part of ourselves. If you're not familiar with parts work, that's going to be beyond the scope of today's episode, but it's also, you know, related to internal family systems or IFS. And a great, great starting point for that is the book, No Bad Parts. Um, it's really helpful in identifying that like there's no part of us that's bad. But essentially when a part of us from the past that knows something about what is happening in the situation is, is triggered, that part, which is usually outside of our awareness, maintains that earlier symptom. So let me just highlight the takeaways from today. Again, we want to notice whatever the symptom or behavior is that is unwanted. When we notice ourselves beginning to be judgmental or criticizing ourselves or trying to push against the symptom or the emotion, we want to instead use what and how questions, not why questions. So it makes sense I'm feeling this way because, or, you know, it makes sense that I am reacting this way because we want to try to get curious and avoid being judgmental. And then as we begin to understand better, right, what's happening, we can even try to take in different information if that is happening. So, you know, again, as an example, my kids are misbehaving. If I can notice the reaction in my body, I can have compassion. Like, of course, it's hard that, you know, we're out in public and they're behaving this way. It makes sense that I'm, you know, feeling extra stressed and wanting them to behave because I want to be seen as a good mom, right? Or whatever that kind of internal knowing is that can kind of calm things down. And then I could even notice, is anyone looking at me with kindness or compassion, Now, it might be that I'm met with judgmental faces, right? That does happen. And then that reinforces that knowing that I must make my children behave in order to avoid being criticized by other people. But hopefully, right, it's met with, you know, kindness and compassion from others. And then that can help my system take in that like, okay, like my kids can be having a hard time and I can still be a good parent. Like both of those things can exist at the same time. And again, if you're experiencing a symptom or something in your life that feels really hard, a behavior that's causing challenges, I encourage you to seek out an experiential therapist. You could also seek out someone trained in coherence therapy specifically to help you to unpack and to try to look into what is driving those behaviors and to then help you to sort of work through them and set up experiences that could create that mismatch for change to happen. I hope you found something helpful from today. I would so appreciate it if you would subscribe to the show. It also is really helpful. We're trying to grow the show. And if you could share this episode or share your favorite episode with a friend, that would be awesome. You can find me at www.jenally.com. I have a brand new website, so hop on over and check that out. You can also follow me on Instagram at jen.ally.therapist. I also would really love to hear what you want to know about on the podcast. I'm looking into trying to figure out kind of what my niche is going to be, and I want your feedback. So if you could, you could either on my Instagram or on my Facebook account, you could maybe comment what you are interested in, or you could send me an email at jen at jenally.com with what you want to hear about on the show. As a supplement to today's episode, you might also want to check out episodes four and five on the podcast. Those are 
about self-compassion and conscious awareness and watching your own mind. So that might help you to better implement and understand today's show. Thanks.